Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Man, I, I, I hope I preach as good as you guys play just right now. Amen. Good morning, Day Spring. Good morning. Happy 4th of July. I guess we're the people that don't go camping on the 4th of July, right? We're the people that stay home and barbecue and maybe go to sleep early. I don't know. What, what, what are you doing today, you know? Hey, I'm so glad you're here. I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July, as well as those watching us online. I know that on this long weekend, many people go out and they travel, they visit family. My mom is in Colorado. I was, she told me she was going to go to Colorado, and I was like, first of all, first of all, with who? And second, why on my birthday weekend if I'm the favorite? What, what are you doing in Colorado? So, I don't know. I think things are shifting a little bit in my house. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, but I'm glad you're here. And listen, I don't know what kind of week you had. I don't know what kind of morning you're having. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you that you're loved. You are loved. You have a heavenly father that loves you eternally and unconditionally. And I don't know if you're feeling down because things aren't going well or maybe you're struggling in a relationship. But I want you to know that you are loved by your Heavenly Father. And that I love you as well. That as your pastor, I love you and I am so grateful for you. When you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you don't have one, raise your hand. They'll bring one to you. Today... I want to speak on the topic of my Independence Day. As we celebrate the 4th of July, the day of our independence as a nation, I want to talk on the topic of my Independence Day. How many of you guys are ready? Look at what John 8.36 says. Let's read that verse and then we'll come before the Lord. John writes and he says, So if the Son sets you free... You are truly what? How many free people we got in the room? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We are grateful for our nation. Lord, it is not a perfect one, but it is a great nation. It is a beautiful, wonderful nation, Lord. It is a nation, Lord, that has given us opportunities, that has given us so much, Lord, that offers us so much, Lord. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those that rule over us, that they would do so with wisdom and with guidance from above, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would uh, watch over them. And, Lord, we bless them. Even if we don't agree with them, Lord, we bless them because you... Well, today, on the 4th of July, we... As I mentioned, we celebrate our Independence Day. And I don't know if you're good with your history. History was one of, one of those topics that I didn't enjoy in high school. But today, we celebrate our independence from King George and Great Britain. Back in the year of 1776, the founders of our nation 
uh, they signed something that is now known, a powerful little paper called the Declaration of Independence. And their desire in doing so was to establish the freest nation in the world. Not the most powerful. And you know, as Americans, as people who live in the United States, we enjoy a freedom that many people around the world do not. There's freedoms in this country that we take for granted that many people in other nations do not enjoy. So today... As you celebrate the 4th of July and you and you become a slave to the grill and you put up with difficult family members and friends as you uh, endure fireworks till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, I hope you appreciate the freedom that we have in this nation. I hope you know I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> you know, those of us born in another country, I think... Uh, experience, or perhaps maybe, with all due respect, appreciate the freedom and the wonder that this awesome country offers us. And I would plead with you that you would continually pray for the well-being of our nation. You know, as Americans, we are free people. As Americans, today we celebrate Independence Day. And I want to use today as a foundation to talk about a greater Independence Day that needs to happen in our lives. And that is our own personal Independence Day. You know, the freest people in the world are not Americans. The truest freedom is not found in America. The truest freedom is found in one and one only in Christ, the Son of God. And that's what John says as he records the words of Jesus in John 8, 36. Let's read it again. This is Jesus speaking and he says, So if the Son sets you free, and of course the Son is alluding to Jesus to himself, he says, you are truly free indeed. Now, let me give you a little bit of context of what's going on in John chapter 8 so that we better appreciate the words of Jesus. In this, in this chapter, Jesus is having an argument or a conversation, depending how you want to see it, because I've discovered that in marriage, one, one individual is arguing and the other one is just talking. Isn't that true? Right? So I don't know uh, how you'll see it if they're arguing or just having a conversation. But Jesus is, is having this conversation with, with the Jews, especially the religious leaders. And, and, and they're arguing. They're kind of going back and forth because, because they, they, they're, they're confronted by who Jesus is and what he's done. And one of the things that Jesus says to them is that very famous verse that says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now, they were offended by that statement that Jesus made. They were offended because they were like, wait a minute. So you're trying to tell us that we're slaves and that we need to be set free? And it is in that context that Jesus says, Yes, because unless the sun sets you free, you are, you are not free. See, and in this conversation that they're having or argument, however you want to see it, one of the arguments that they make is that they say, well, Abraham is our father. 
Abraham is our father. So if Abraham is our father, how can we be set free? And see, they take Abraham as the highest figure, as an individual who had not just the promise of God, but had the blessing of God. And because they were, because they were ancestors of Abraham, they automatically assume that they were free. But see, they were wrong. They were wrong. Because although, yes, they were descendants of Abraham, they were not free people. Not spiritually and not practically. As Jesus was having this conversation with them, the Jews were, were, were spawns for the Roman Empire. They were used and they were taken advantage of. And, and, and if you know your history, you know that the Jews had been slaves to the Egyptians and to the Babylonians. So they were wrong. They were delusional. They were, they, they were living a fantasy. They thought they were free when they were really not. Now, I mention all this because I hope it paints a familiar picture for you today. Because today, many claim to be free when they are not free indeed. Today, many will light fireworks celebrating the freedom that we have in this nation. But yet they will go to bed enslaved by grief, regret, and shame. Many today will gather to barbecue to celebrate the freedom. But within that freedom that they have, they will, they will drink themselves drunk. They will make poor choices. They will fight. They will ruin their relationships because they are not free indeed. And see, many people today would, would resonate, would, would paint that picture of the Jews arguing with Jesus, saying, what do you mean we need to be set free? I'm American, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, whatever you are. I live in this country and I'm free. And I believe Jesus would say what he said about 2,000 years ago, unless the sun sets you free, you will not be free indeed. I believe that the freest people in this country are those who follow Jesus Christ. Because unless you know him, you do not know freedom. And here's what Jesus was saying. He says the only way to be truly, truly and completely free. I mean, he gives you the freedom that not even your mother-in-law can take away. That's powerful, right? tell you if you live with your mother-in-law you're not free no I'm joking I'm joking you know I get so many comments about mother-in-laws I mother-in-laws are a gift from God amen and 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 mine is such a gift that she lives two hours and a half away so um but listen unless you know Jesus unless you know Jesus you don't know freedom now here, here here's what I want to talk to you about today and I'll develop this a little bit more it is dependence in Jesus that leads to freedom. It is depend. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Somebody's helping me preach today. It is dependence on Jesus that sets me free. There is an old hymn song that sings, Make me captive, O Lord, and then I shall be free. And you're probably thinking, Pastor, wait a minute, wait, 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 stop. That's contradictory. That doesn't make sense. Freedom means you don't depend on anyone that you have freedom. That's not true. That's a lie. 
Let me, let, let's take the founding fathers as an example, okay? When they signed the Declaration of Independence, they declared their freedom from Great Britain and King George. But at the same time, they declare a dependence into a new beliefs, into new laws, into new values. They said, we no longer are going to be ruled. We are no longer going to be guided by this over here. But instead, we are going to embrace this area over here, which is going to lead to freedom. And see, many people think that that. That freedom is, is for you to be your own boss. Can I tell you something that is going to burst your bubble? We are not people that can be free. We need rule and government over us. And even when you think you're free, something or someone will always rule over you. Whether it is a passion, whether it is over uh, an opinion, whether it is a desire, or whether it is sin. But something always rules over us. So, so freedom, independence comes when you change your dependence from one thing or one person to another. And that's why Jesus said, unless the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. But look at what he says in verse 31 and 32 of that same chapter. Look at this. Jesus said, now this is so awesome. Jesus said to the people who what? Believed in him. Because as he was preaching, people were believing his message. They were believing him. And look at what he says to them. This is what he's saying to people who believe in him. So you and me. He says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain what? Faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Now, what truth was Jesus referring to? Simple. Him. His words. His message. His commandments. That if we Find the truth that if we remain faithful to the truth, if we remain faithful to a relationship with him, if we remain faithful to his teachings, then we will find freedom. Now, how do you remain faithful to the truth? We'll leave that for another Sunday. Come back next week. All right. So. Freedom, here's what I need you to know, what I would want you to know, that freedom is found in Jesus. And if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. But that being set free by Jesus means that we change our dependence from ourselves, our desires, or culture, whatever it may be, and that you choose to say, from now on, I'm going to depend on Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that this morning. And I want to encourage you to do that by highlighting just six. There are so many. I found so many freedoms that Jesus brings into our life. But I want to highlight just six of them really quick. Six freedoms that when you declare your independence from anything else and you declare your dependence on Jesus, these six freedoms will be true in your life. And let me tell you, they will transform your life. They will transform your life. But here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know, okay? This is a process. None of us have achieved it yet. These are things that God will continue to do in our life as long as we are living in this world. 
okay? But they're true in our life. So when you are struggling in one of these areas, you can go back to God's word and say, God, you promised it and I know you will do it. Amen? Let's look at those freedoms. Freedom number one, when you declare your dependence on Jesus, the first freedom that he offers you is the freedom of forgiveness. Is the freedom to forgive. Nothing enslaves us like lack of forgiveness. Can we be honest? You know why forgiveness is so hard for so many people? Because at the, at the bottom line, the bottom line, here's what the bottom line is. The bottom line is, I'm not going to forgive you because what you did to me hurt me. What you did to me was horrible and you deserve to pay for what you did. I'm glad somebody's honest. That's the bottom line. When it becomes hard to forgive, it becomes hard because we focus on the pain and we focus on the payback. Well, let me tell you something. Someone already paid the price of the offenses caused against you. Can we get a little real? Someone already paid the price of your offenses as well. You know, during his torment at the cross, as Jesus hung on that cross and he was dying a criminal's death, an innocent man, he was being tortured as he was suffering. He uttered the following words in Luke 23, 34. And look at what he says. Jesus said, Father, what? Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Come on, come on. Most of the time that we hurt others, we don't know what we're doing. We think we do, but we don't know. Your teenager that's rebellious, your young son or daughter that is acting wild, they think they know what they're doing, but what? They don't know. They don't know. When we're married and one of our caskets blows off, we don't know what we're doing. We lose it. And Jesus said, Father, Forgive them. The most innocent person was willing to forgive. And as Jesus uttered those words, he uttered enough forgiveness for you and me to be able to forgive others. You want to know what the secret to forgiveness is? Not forgetting how much you've been forgiven. You know, when I come to Jesus and I stand before him and I think about all the stuff, stupid, dumb, sinful stuff I've done, And the fact that he's forgiven me, it's a lot easier to forgive other people. When Jesus is Lord in your life, you will have the freedom to forgive. And listen, unless you're willing to forgive, you will enslave your own self in your pain. Amen. The second freedom, the second freedom that Jesus offers is the freedom to love. It's the freedom to love. You know, when Jesus comes into our life, one of the things that the Bible says is that he gives us a new heart. He gives us a new spirit. He gives us new desires. He gives us a new way of thinking. We who have Christ are the most loving people because we are the ones who know and have experienced the most powerful and pure love in the world, and that is the love of Jesus. See, if you're having a hard time loving your mother-in-law, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. If you're having a hard time loving the opposing political party, you need Jesus. 
Because the freedom, the second freedom that Jesus brings into our life is the freedom to love. And come on, come on. Isn't it true that life is a lot better when love is available? Isn't it true that our relationship with our family members is better when there's love? That, that our work environment is better when there is love? That we are better individuals when, when there is love in our life? The Bible says that love can do it all. And you know why love can conquer all things? Because God is love. And when Jesus... When you declare your dependence on Jesus, he will give you the freedom to love and to love even your enemies. Man, that's when you know you're free. When you can look at those that wish you ill, when you can look at those that that want bad for you, and you love them, and you can pray for them. Look at what 1 John 4, 16 says. We know how much God loves us. How many of you guys know how much God loves you? I hope you know, whenever you're feeling down, that's all you got to remember. How much God loves you. He loves you enough that he found you worthy to send his son to die for you. He loves you enough that he not only gave Christ his only son, but he gives us everything else together with him. John says, for we know, by the way, if you ever... Want to know about love? All you got to do is read John. John writes about love so much, you know? So ladies, that should be one of your favorite books. Or maybe guys, right? Guys, we're the ones who are supposed to love, right? Women don't have a hard time loving. It's guys, right? So, so guys, you got to read all the letters of John, okay? All of them and read them twice. Three times, okay. We'll stop right there because if not, they're going to want to have us read it every day. First John four sixteen. We know how much God loves us and we have put, look at this, we have put our trust where? In his love. God has love. God represents love. God gives love. God is love. And all, look at this, and all who live In love, what? So, if you're a loving person, that means that you're a godly person. So the opposite is also true. If you're a godly person, you ought to be what? A loving person, right? And God lives in them. The third freedom that Jesus brings into our life, and this is a good one, is the freedom of acceptance. You know, many people today, many people today are silent about it, but they're not happy with themselves. They're not happy because of the things that have happened in their life or the choices that they've made in their life. And you know, you you know what's something that the Holy Spirit has shown, uh, has revealed to me recently? We, We are living in a time where there's so much rejection going on. And you know why we reject? Because we feel rejected. Hurt people hurt people. Angry people are a reason for other people to get angry. And listen, when you come to Christ, when Christ becomes Lord in your life, he will set you free from all shame, from all rejection, 
and he will give you the freedom to know that you're accepted just as you are. And listen, that is powerful because a lot of what we do, we do it with other people in mind. I guarantee you that this morning as you are dressing up, you dressed up, well, some of you, some of you, but the majority of you, 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 you'll know what I mean. Some of you, 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 you got up and you said, what am I going to wear today? And you didn't think of comfort. You thought of how you look and how others would look at you. Some of you, you don't care what others think of you. You just, you just came comfortable. You be you, okay? But, but, <laughs> but, but the majority of us, we wake up and, and we want to look good because why? We want to be accepted. We want to be loved by others. But listen, look at what Romans 15, 7 says. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ would. Question, question, question. When Christ accepted us, were we at our best? When Christ accepted us, did we have our life put together? When Christ accepted us, were we worshiping him and bowing before him and serving him? Christ accepted us when? At our worst. It is when we were at the worst of our lives. Most of us, we came to Christ, not at the peak of our life, but at the worst moment of our life. And he accepted us. And his acceptance, what? Transformed us. Suddenly we knew that, hey, I messed up, but there's somebody who still loves me. Hey, I messed up, but there's somebody who still is for me. And he says, accept as Christ has accepted you, so that what? God will be given glory. Let me tell you something. When we understand and we walk in the freedom that we have a heavenly father who accepts us, let me tell you something. You're going to be able to relate with other people more easily. Because one of the things that, that, that we, the mistakes that we do is that we often want people to give to us what only God can give us. By the way, if you're married, that's a hard lesson and a powerful lesson you got to learn. Sometimes we're wanting our spouse to be God. And guess what? They may be godly, but they're not God. There's only one that is going to love you unconditionally. There's only one that is never going to fail you. There's only one that is going to tell you the truth all the time. There's only one that is going to put up with you all the time. And it's not your spouse. It's who? Your heavenly father. Right? So the third freedom is the freedom of acceptance. Here's the fourth freedom. The fourth freedom that Jesus brings into our life is victory. We are victorious people. Look at what John 16, 33 says. I have told you all this so that you may have what? Peace. Peace where? In me. Here, now this is so powerful. This is so powerful. Look at what Jesus is saying. He's talking about peace and he says, peace is found in me. Okay? But look at what he says next. Here on earth, you will have what? Okay, let's stop right there because I think many Christians have a problem with that. If Jesus is my peace, why is there so much going on around me? If Jesus is with me, then how come I can't seem to get a break? If Jesus is with me, how come I haven't been healed? If Jesus is with me, how come I'm still broke? If Jesus is with us, why doesn't he change? Because here on earth, you will have, listen to this, 
many trials and sorrows. Christ does not make you immune to pain and opposition. But you know what he does bring? He brings peace and victory as an end result. So I don't know, I don't know what battle you're facing. I don't know what struggle you're having. But I I am here this morning to tell you, hang on, hang on. The end result in Christ is always victory. He's undefeated. He's never lost a battle. So he's not about to lose yours. So if you are dependent on Jesus, you will have victory. You will have victory. You know, I, I, I was talking with somebody. I was talking with somebody. Well, let me finish the verse and then I'll tell you this testimony. But look at what he says. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Whatever is bringing you sorrow, whatever is the trial, Jesus has already overcome it and he brings the victim, the, the, the freedom of victory. I was talking with somebody who, who is going through cancer. And uh, we're praying for their healing. We're praying that God will restore their body. Um, but it seems like it's getting worse. You know, and uh, we had this very difficult conversation about healing. You know, and they said, Pastor, um, when should I stop praying for healing? I mean, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And I say, you never stop praying for healing. As long as you have breath, you pray for healing. And then suddenly their eyes were kind of open. And here's what they said to me. And I loved it. They said, that's right. Because whether he heals me here or in the afterlife, healing is my end result. Do you get that? But that's the kind of freedom that only Christ can bring. Somebody without Christ doesn't see the eternal life as a victory. They see it as, oh, he lost his battle against cancer. No, he didn't. You never lose when you have Christ in your life because he gives us victory. Amen. I, I, I tell my brother. Um, most of you guys know that I have a brother who is not walking with the Lord. And, um, you know, my biggest prayer, my biggest prayer in my life is his salvation. And one of the things that I always tell him, I always tell him, I go, you know, ever since you turned 16, our lives were divided. You went your way and I kind of went my way. And you've never really been part of my life since. You weren't there for my graduations. You weren't there for my wedding. You weren't there for the birth of my kids. You, you're not there for their birthdays. And, and, and sin has separated us. And one of the things that I always tell him, because he's very emotional. He's the one emotional um, of all my brothers. Uh, my brothers, not my sisters, my brothers. And um, so he's always telling me, he's like, man, I've messed up. I've messed up. I, I, I really wish I had what you had. He called me for my birthday and, and he, he almost started crying. He's always, he always gives me nice. But, but here's what I'm going. Here's what I always tell him. I tell him, Wally, if you give your life to Jesus, we may have missed out on this life, but we'll enjoy the next one better. Amen. If you give your life to Jesus, we can't get the last 20 years that we've lost. And we may not get whatever years remain here on earth. But let me tell you, in heaven, we'll still enjoy each other. And that is my prayer. See, that's the victory, the freedom of victory that Christ brings into our life. Here's the fifth one. The fifth freedom is the freedom of contentment. And this is what we desperately and greatly need in this country, in the world. 
Because people are enslaved to their jobs. They're enslaved to their careers. They're enslaved to the hustle. They're enslaved because they want to have more. Because they want to keep up with other people. And we all know people on social media that you wonder... How in the world do they live the way they live on social media? They're always traveling. They're always eating at the best restaurant. They're always buying expensive stuff. For all you know, they probably borrowed it from somebody. But it, it, it makes you wonder, right? And there's such a pressure. There's such a pressure in our country to want more and to have more. You know, a while back, you, you know what's one of my favorite stores? Apple. The Apple store. You know why I don't go in there? Because every time I go in there, I want something. Every time I go in there, I'm unhappy with my iPad. I'm unhappy with my iWatch. I'm unhappy with my iPhone. I'm unhappy with my Apple TV. I'm unhappy with, with my eye. You know, it's like they make you unhappy because there's this desire to want to have more. And contentment is the freedom that Christ brings. And it's powerful. Contentment doesn't mean you settle. Contentment doesn't mean you don't have goals. Contentment doesn't mean you don't strive to, to get a raise. You don't strive to grow your business. No, it doesn't mean that. But you know what contentment means? Contentment means that you can enjoy life now. That you are satisfied and that you can be happy with what you have now. That you don't need the 15th purse to be happy. That with the 14 that you have now, you can be content. That you don't need the two-story house to be a happy family. That on that little garage, you can be a happy family. That's contentment. And it doesn't mean we don't believe God for better things. And it doesn't mean we don't ask God for better things. But it means that we don't lose our joy and our peace today for what we hope to get tomorrow. So Christians, Christians should be the most content people in the world. Happy with what we have. We don't settle because if anybody's going from glory to glory, it's us. But that we are happy with what we have now, look at what 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18 says. Paul writes to Timothy and here's the advice he gives the young pastor. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. And before you stop and say, I'm not rich, pastor. Some of you are and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. But let me tell you, we're all rich in this room. If you got more than one pair of shoes, you're rich. If you ate out more than once this week, you're rich. If you got at least a hundred bucks in the bank, you're rich. If you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat tonight or tomorrow, you're rich. So this is for you. Because some of you are like, no, I'm poor. I make the minimum wage. No, you're rich. You're so poor, you got three TVs in your room. Just in case one breaks, right? Teach those who are rich in this world, look at this, not to be what? Proud. And not to trust in what? Their money. Why? Why, pastor? Because it's unreliable. It's more unreliable than your flaky friend. (laughs) Their trust, their trust, where should our trust be? Their trust should be in who? Now, look at this. This is so powerful. Many of you didn't even know this was in the Bible. Look at this next phrase. 
who richly gives us all we need for what? You know, this last Thursday, we went to Disneyland, and uh, a lot of people, oh, you went to Disneyland. Well, what they don't know is that God blessed me back in 2019 before the pandemic hit, and I had the passes that I was able to use this week, so I didn't have to pay anything. So many people think, oh, you know, he must have taken the offerings from last Sunday. No! I wasn't even here, so, you know? But listen, God richly what? Blesses us. For what? For our enjoyment. Let me tell you, if God blessed you with a nice car, don't be proud, but enjoy it. If God blessed you with a beautiful wife, don't be cocky, but enjoy her. Enjoy the things that God has given you. Don't let your trust be on money. Don't let your trust be on possessions. Let your trust be on God. And when your trust is on God, whatever he gives you, enjoy it. Enjoy. Don't be apologetic about God's blessings. Some people are apologetic. Oh, no, I can't because, you know, somebody else may be offended. So what? If God blessed you, he approves of you. So go ahead and what? Enjoy it. Look at verse 18. Tell them to use their money for what? To do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, look at this. By doing this, they will be storing up for their treasures as as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience, look at this, True life. You know where contentment comes from? You know what the foundation for contentment is? Knowing that you are in the arms of a good father. When you know that your father takes care of you, you'll be like, well, I don't have it now, but it's only a matter of time before he does. I try to be the best father I can be for my kids. And I think that if you ask them about their daddy, they would love their daddy. And here's what the Bible says. It says that if we, being wicked parents, give good things to our gifts, how much more will not our Heavenly Father? So I don't know what you're stressing over, worrying over, trying to save to get, to have. Learn contentment. And you learn contentment when Christ is Lord in your life. And then last but not least, let me wrap it up with this. Is the freedom of salvation. The greatest freedom that we inherit from Calvary, that we inherit from the work of Christ, is salvation. Now, do you know why it's called salvation? Do you know why coming to Jesus is called salvation? Let me tell you why it's called salvation. Because if Jesus is not your Lord, look at this, sin is your Lord. It may look like greed, it may be promiscuity, it may be hate, it may be gossip, sin takes many different forms, but unless Jesus is your Lord, sin is your Lord. 
And when we come to Jesus, oh, this is so awesome. There's something powerful that he does. He not only sets us free from the power of sin, but he sets us free from the consequences of sin. That is why the Bible says that when we come to Christ, he takes what the enemy has destroyed and he makes beauty out of ashes. That's why when we come to Christ, he takes our brokenness and he uses our weakness for his glory because he redeems us. He redeems what the enemy has destroyed. But not only that, he also frees us from the consequences of sin. If Jesus is not your Lord, I have to be very clear about this. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people who have placed their dependency on Jesus go to heaven. And if you don't want Jesus, then the consequence of sin is an eternity without him in a place called hell. And he gives us the freedom of salvation. And here's what it means. Here's what it means. Pastor, if Christ has set me free from the power of sin, does that mean that I can't sin anymore? Come on, you know the answer to that question. You did that this morning. Of course we can still sin. But, but here's what many people don't understand. You now have the freedom to choose. When you don't have Christ... You know, you, you, we all got a drunk uncle, right? Or at least one, right? Some, some families have more. You try telling them, uncle, don't drink today, please. Don't ruin the family gathering. They have no option but to drink. Because they're enslaved to sin. But you do. When you, when you sin, you chose to sin. And Christ comes... To give us the freedom of salvation from the power of sin and from the consequences of sin. If you have been sinning, I want to tell you that you can stop today. And that Christ can redeem the consequences that sin has been storing in your life. Tony, can I get to, Gio, can you help me bring two chairs? Can you help Tony bring two chairs? Oh, they're over here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I got it. I want to show you something and I'll end with this. I don't know if the worship team can get ready. You know, I, I, I love driving. I love driving. Some people say I'm not a good driver, especially Angel. What happened? Especially Angel, but, 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 but what does he know, right? <laughs> I love driving. Can I, be, can I confess something to you? You know why I love driving? Because I love being in control. Who said that? I love being in control. I hate uh, co-pilots or backseat drivers. Make a life here. Make a, I, I know where I'm going. And if I don't know, Siri knows. So I don't need a third one, okay? I love driving. I love driving because when I'm driving, I get to choose the route. I get to choose the speed. I get to choose the lane. I get to choose the destination. Right? But here's what I know. The day will come where I will have to go from this seat to this seat. The day will come, I don't know how old I'll be, where I won't be able to drive anymore. I don't know what it will be then, but I can tell you what I can picture now. It's going to be scary. Especially if it's one of my daughters driving me, right? Or my sisters. <laughs> it's going to be scary. 
It's going to be And the scariest thing, the scariest thing is going to be this. That I will have to give up control. Now, to have a dependency on Jesus means that this is where you are and that you give him the driver's seat. And that's scary. You know why that's scary for many people? Because if he's in the driver's seat, that means it's no longer your time, but his time. It's no longer your wallet, but his wallet. It's not longer your gifts, but his gifts. It's no longer your desires, but his desires. And see, many people think, well, that's not a life. But that's where they're wrong. Because there's nothing as beautiful, as peaceful, and as wonderful as having somebody that knows where they're going, that can get you there, and can get you there in one piece. Now, here's what a lot of us do, a lot of people do. They don't want to yield the driver's seat because we like the control. So you know what we do? Jesus, hop in. You're not in control, but you can be around me. And the reason we want Jesus in, as a passenger, not as the driver, is because we might get sick and need his healing. We might get a flat tire and need his help. We might deal with trials and sorrows and we need his victory. So a lot of people don't mind Jesus as a passenger. But they don't want him as a driver. And I'll end with this. Unless the son is in the driver's seat, you won't be free. If he's in the passenger, you're still in control. You're still enslaved by your desires and passions and weaknesses and, and mood and all that stuff. So let me, let me make 2021 John 8. Unless the son is in the driver's seat, you won't be truly free. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love, in Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.